Are you going to introduce? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Hey, guys. Welcome to episode two of Educated Muscle, where we discuss our philosophies on training and how that translates into us as personal trainers now. Yeah. I'm going to let this guy kick it off. All right. Because you talked for like 45 minutes to start last week's episode. I hate you so (laughs) much. I almost fell asleep during your rant on God knows what. Anyways, (laughs) so we're talking about our training philosophies today, like Tina said, and I feel like our education and experiences over the years have shaped those philosophies into what they currently are now. Mm -hmm. So I would say that my personal training philosophy slash athletic training philosophy is largely centered around my experiences in athletic training as an athletic training student and working with clients through rehab. So my philosophy is largely centered around the concept of move well, then move often, which we talked about last week. Yeah, Shout out to who? Do you remember? No. Gray Cook. (laughs) Shout out to Gray Cook. (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure it's trademarked. You you were the one that was like, shout out Gray Cook. (laughs) I did. (laughs) You did. We shouted out like five people. You almost dropped the camera. Oh my God. Okay, I'm not going to hit the table. So move well, then move often. So if you can't do, and I talked about this last week, but this is going to set the foundation for our conversation. Yes. If you can't do one squat well, then why am I going to load you and have you do 50 squats? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense at all. So move well first, then move often. And what I've noticed in my years of working with people and also what I've learned through my education is that movement dysfunction can be a stability issue, it can be a mobility issue, or it can be a motor control issue. And now, quick question. Now, did you notice that also in yourself, so that you can actually relate that relate to your clients in some way, some sort of some fashion? Like, yeah, my body's fucked up. Yeah. So I want I want him to say yeah, that. By I, way. I, I, <laughs> you set me up. I set him up. I hate you. Yeah. So I have quite a few of these uh, mobility and stability issues, and we all know that I can't move very well, like on the dance floor and stuff. So I know motor that. Control is not really on point either. <laughs> so there are a bunch of things that shape my philosophy centered around movement proficiency. Uh, One is called the joint-by-joint approach, so that's also a great cook concept. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about all of them uh, after I list them. So I'm going to list them first, and then I'll discuss them individually. Uh, Then the NASM, corrective exercise continuum, which is inhibit, lengthen, activate, and integrate. And we'll get into each one of those concepts later. And then Anatomy Trains, which is actually the name of a book, they talk about myofascial meridians. So the body is encompassed in this stuff called fascia that surrounds muscles, and all of those fascial networks work together. (laughs) They're all interconnected. Yeah, they're all interconnected. (laughs) So when somebody tells you, after you tell them that you have, like, pain in your foot and, like, your knee hurts or something... And they tell you, well, it's all connected. That's just their way of saying that they know that myofascia is a thing, but they don't know anything about how the systems work. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) AKA, they're not educated. (laughs) And then the Postural Restoration Institute, uh, their whole thing is the body's asymmetrical Mm -hmm. for different reasons. Uh, Our circulatory system, our respiratory system, and our neurological system are asymmetrical, a.k.a., for example, we have a heart on the left side and a liver on the right side, and our left brain does things that controls the right side and vice versa. 
because of all of these asymmetries, we can, if we don't move properly over the course of several years, develop imbalances mm -hmm. as a result of those asymmetries. So PRI strives to fix those asymmetries so that they don't cause imbalances that cause dysfunction and pain. So actually, real quick, guys. Yeah. So those asymmetries, you guys have probably noticed them in yourselves that you notice, like, if you're an athlete, maybe one foot kicks a ball harder than the other, something like that. Now, over time, with injury and with not taking care of certain um, things that you notice, you cause more and more imbalances in your body. So you really have to go back and what Jeff's going to talk about, go back and actually treat these asymmetries in the beginning before you can actually perform as well as you want to perform. We'll go back to this. Yeah, this is very much true. And a lot of a lot of times, like you said, we do things with one hand, we do things with one foot, and over the course of several years, we train bilaterally, not unilaterally. We don't rotate. We don't train in multiple planes of motion. And because of those things, <laughs> love it. Are you dancing or no? I'm choking. <laughs> I'm also paying much attention. So I actually just signed up for my first PRI certification, cool. which is called That's Postural awesome. Respiration, which is all about how this area functions, uh. <laughs> like the ribcage for all of, all of those listening and not watching. <laughs> um, and then feedback tools. So I use a lot of cueing, like I know you do. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes clients move poorly because they don't know any better, so giving them a little cue, like corkscrew your feet into the ground helps mm -hmm. and they get it and it just clicks and boom everything's fixed because we talked about motor control issues yeah. earlier mm -hmm. causing dysfunction and uh, movement deficiency so if we can cue them to move better using these different cues then we've addressed the motor control aspect of things um, also rnt which stands for reactive neuromuscular training which is basically the concept of feeding the mistake um, I use that to provide feedback for clients exercising. So what that would look like is, uh, I'll example. give an example. Okay. <laughs> uh, someone has a valgus cave or their knee caves in when they're doing a squat. Um, then you want to go ahead and feed the problem by, you know, wrapping like either a band around that, the problem leg or the leg that's having the problem itself. And you pull and cause them to like, like cave in a little bit more and it's going to cause their body. Well, you want to coach them to, pull away from the band so pull away from the problem that you're causing so you're just feeding the problem and they're doing what they can to eradicate the problem absolutely yeah oh crap they're not supposed to do that i can finally feel it because i can't without the band and then they fix it and then different feedback tools like cones balls bands um to ensure the athlete or to basically let them know that they're doing it properly so for instance if someone's crawling and you put a cone on their back and you tell them don't let this cone fall on the floor, then you know that their pelvis isn't shifting from side to side and you know that their core is probably stable while they're doing that. So for some trainers who are um, hearing this right now or watching this, um, you're thinking about like beast crawls, you're thinking about core stability um, exercises that a lot of people just kind of overlook. And some of my clients have done it. I put like a lacrosse ball on their back and I have them do either like a beast crawl or just like some tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, my savage. well, my clients. Uh, shout out to Jacqueline because uh, she can do pretty well. Wow, Jacqueline, <laughs> one of your clients. Yeah, one of my clients. Okay. Yeah. So she's beast mode. She's beast mode. She goes ham. She goes hard in the paint. 
Hard in the paint. <laughs> hard in the paint. Hard in the paint. That's hit the, okay. That's not ham. <laughs> All right. Would you like to tell the audience what ham means for those who don't know? Hard as a motherfucker. She passed. <laughs> so those are all of the things that guide my training philosophy um like i said it's all centered around moving well first and in order to ensure that a client or athlete is moving well i use all of these things within my philosophical approach do you want me to elaborate more or do you want to start talking about no yours and um, then we'll... yeah we'll do that because i'm going to piggyback off of you so my <laughs> training philosophy is very similar to jeff's in the sense that i believe that a body should move in a functional pattern in a functional matter as opposed to focusing on the fitness aspect of it because you want to focus on moving well and and breathing properly little things that a lot of people don't focus on before you can actually perform well before you can actually look better before you can actually get the results that you want to get do you have any clients that like just brace so hard doing remedial shit that it looks like they're gonna poop their pants <laughs> no they're doing like banded external rotations and they're like shaking no because usually as they're getting red, they their neck like is coming explode. forward that way then i know that there's something else <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just funny to me, so I don't feel like correcting in that moment. But yeah. <laughs> Shout out to those clients. <laughs> Savage. Jeff with the dagger. Not naming any names, but, but we all yeah. have them. <laughs> Bold head posture. We're going to get into that posture. in another uh, episode, Poor. too. Why are you looking like that for? <laughs> Let's go ahead and inhibit those muscles and then just make it worse. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> okay, so sorry. So um, on top of working, um, try to be a little bit more functional. We, you know, as Jeff mentioned, imbalances. That's one thing that in the beginning when I first started training, I, I had this mentality of everyone's to look good, everyone's to lift weights, and let's all go be bodybuilders. I'm not even lying to you about that. Like, I'm not, you know, happy that I was like that, but I'm happy that it transitioned to what I, who I am now because I had to go through the whole period of understanding functional beings are going to move better, look better, feel better, and, you know, day-to-day going to just live better if we focus on these imbalances and stuff that over the years we've conditioned to move in a pattern that just feeds those imbalances. Yeah, and I think that we all start off that way. Oh, we all do. I mean, that's something to not be proud about, per se, because I, I mean pretty well educated now i started off that way working out with my dad my dad was a bodybuilder he didn't know any better so i think that if you start off in the industry without having an educational background in kinesiology or something sports related then you're going to just gravitate towards that style of training because that's what's popular of course of course that's what you see on social media and that's where Mm -hmm. you go to and i think our our jobs as you know educators because that's what we are we're educators of the body we're educators of movement um we have to be able to take a step back and look at okay how can we ourselves be better to our clients be better trainers coaches to our clients and that's when you start focusing on okay well this body isn't moving as it should and if you don't know how a body should move you have to take a look you know most research is done on infants on infants that haven't had that experience in the real world you know on how to move improperly you know, so um, if you look, if you just look back oh, it's on very like, much a real world, oh. we're not living in the matrix. <laughs> well, you know, what I'm talking about, you know, what I'm saying, you know, like, <laughs> um, so if you go back to even like studies with, you know, on how we got the FMS, that was all done and started off just studying children and how their movements start, you know, lying on our back, then going on our fours and, you know, going half kneeling. So like, yeah. uh, 
like DNS. Yes, we dynamic just have to... neuromuscular stabilization, which is another thing that I use to train some people. It's not on my training philosophy because I don't know a whole lot. I should. I don't know a whole lot about it, <laughs> but I incorporate some of their principles into my training. Yeah. So that's how my uh, training style actually changed, and that's where my philosophy goes now. Is that before I start training with someone, or before I start even like training myself, I have to take a look at where are the ailments in my body. Where is my body not moving as it should? Because let's say I want to go into a shoulder press and I don't have um, a stable position in my shoulder itself, then there's no way that I should be doing it without possibly injuring myself, which I've done, or without causing some sort of growth in a muscle that shouldn't be growing, some sort of activation in the muscle that shouldn't be activated, and deactivation of muscle that I, should, I could be using. So now if we look back at bodybuilders that go on stage, right, and they want to, you know, have this type of aesthetic look this physique that's symmetrical well if we didn't take a look back at the things that were wrong in the beginning then we just kept building and building and building on a foundation that was unstable it wasn't sturdy you know it's like building a house on top of like cracked pavement like what's going to happen it's not going to come out structurally correct well i guess the reality with bodybuilding is that you're focused on the the big aesthetic muscles the chest the lats the teres the anterior delts all things that pull your shoulder joint into an internally rotated protracted position Uh, bodybuilders don't sit there and crank away at their external rotators they don't focus on that type of prehabilitative work because they don't need it to look good on stage and that's where problems arise yeah and problems arise in that sense and then uh so myself i used to do bodybuilding competitions and i stopped um not because you know you're living the thick life now i'm living the thick life i love it (laughs) Shout out to everybody living a thick life. No, but um, I started focusing more on what my issues were because certain things like lifting heavy shoulder presses. I mean, I'm strong. We all know that. But (laughs) but I kept causing some sort of injury because I wasn't doing the things I was supposed to do that I knew I had to do. So now I go back to that. So now when I'm coaching my clients on it, I take them a step back. I can train a bodybuilder that's been doing this for like 13, 14 years, and I've done it before, and I can take them back on certain things that they need to work on in the beginning. And that, like I said, that's where my philosophy comes from. I'm going to take you back to where things should be in the beginning, and you'll see your end goal, which was your goal that when that you were doing without me, is going to be better, just because we start with the better foundation. So that's where my philosophy is, is you have to start off with a foundation that is almost like new, like a crisp foundation that, although it may take you a step back in time as far as like where you want to go when you arrive to that position when you arrive to that end goal or whatever your end goal is you're going to be there in a safer manner yeah so basically what you're saying is is the whole process of taking a bodybuilder who's moved improperly for the past 10 years to move properly might require reducing load Mm -hmm might require reducing volume might require doing exercises that the bodybuilder doesn't normally do or enjoy which all to that bodybuilder is perceived as taking a step back temporarily to get them to move better say over the course of a two to six month period but now you're setting them up to progress much faster so that when you look at the big picture two three four years down the line that athlete can now move much better and Mm. is because of that much stronger yeah of course and then it's also a case-by-case basis because you have certain people who for example they shouldn't be training a certain way for their 
lifestyle. So for example, the person who's sitting at a desk all day and is on a computer and is always internally rotated because that's all they do, right? You see them bench pressing the whole day and then they're like, oh yeah, I have an impingement in my shoulder. Well, yeah, well, it makes sense because the whole day you're here and you're just feeding, as Jeff mentioned earlier, you're feeding the problem of just being internally rotated yeah. and all of a sudden you go and do a shoulder press, you go and do a row and you do it improperly and now we got an injury. So at the end, it goes back to we want to stay on foundation because we do not want to be injured. Right, because injuries are going to hold you back a lot longer than I will if I told you to take a step back. Absolutely. So to feed off of that same example um, of the person sitting behind the desk for 8 to 12 hours a day like this in this bad forward head posture, internally rotated shoulder position, and then going to the gym and bench pressing, there's this big thing right now in the PT world where some PTs say that um, this posture, for instance, uh, forward head forward rounded shoulders is bad and then some take the stance of it's not bad as long as you're not in it for a prolonged period of time and you move dynamically through a bunch of postures throughout the day so i guess to your point then sitting in that bad posture what some pts would consider to be bad posture position for eight hours a day and then bench pressing in that position that's what's bad yeah. right not necessarily being in that position for a couple of minutes but being in that position for 8 to 12 hours a day and then making it worse by bench pressing in that position okay so let's go ahead and go back to it um well you mentioned it um just momentarily about inhibiting muscles and yeah so we're in that position all day and i consider it bad posture because you are in that position almost like it's second nature like that's just where you are you're stuck there so yeah i consider that bad posture i'll be that pt that says that yeah. bad posture right um slowly because when you go to the gym the next day or that night you're not doing anything to get yourself out of it yeah. and that's the issue it's yeah. not so much that you're doing this all day it's that you're not doing this all day you get me yeah. so unless you're at work and you have a band you're at the desk doing some it work and you have a band you're going you know into some sort of row or yeah. into some sort of external rotation then you're gonna stay there and that's where the issue arises that no one's doing anything to open you up no one's yeah. doing anything to get you open you know so being there for five minutes is fine being there for eight hours is probably not and then not doing the opposite is even worse yeah because it adds to the problem so just because we're talking about this right now in my own training and my own programming itself anytime i give some someone some sort of like horizontal push or vertical push i'm always complimenting that with two or three exercises that are going to open them back up again because i know for eight hours a day they're here then why am i only spending 10 minutes of a workout doing this it, it, it just the balance between the time and positioning is just off. So now when we talk about posture, we're talking about like, okay, how much time am I actually spending trying to force myself yeah. into that position, trying to strengthen those external rotators? And the, I can almost guarantee you that if you are doing a chest workout, you aren't complementing that with any sort of any sort of like back or external rotation exercise. Absolutely. So let's use that example then to talk about one of these concepts that makes up our training philosophies uh nasm's corrective exercise continuum okay. so i briefly uh touched on it earlier but it is inhibit lengthen activate integrate so inhibit basically means to turn off or to down regulate to turn down right so if you sit in this forward shoulder position for eight hours a day then chances are over time you don't do anything to correct that your we'll say pec minor we'll use that muscle as an example since it's so commonly affected that muscle will get tight and maybe even short right yes. and so in order to 
turn off that muscle or to downregulate it, we need to incorporate certain techniques like self myofascial release. So yes, so S S M R F R self myofascial <laughs> release. I know a lot of people that do S M R too. Um, you can also do P R I. So you can incorporate. It's right there. <laughs> uh, breathing techniques to downregulate that tissue because the issue, the tissue issue, might be <laughs> breathing related. Got him, but I'm. Um, and then soft tissue work. So if you work with someone who does massage, uh, something like petrissage can help. Um, active release, all that stuff can help. So in order to effectively change a tissue, or a joint, let's look at the entire shoulder joint. It's rounded forward. Yep. If the shoulder joint is rounded forward and we need to get it to sit back, how likely are we to be able to effectively activate the muscles that pull it back if we don't turn off the muscles that pull it forward first? Not likely, right? Not at all. <laughs> so you gotta My clients turn actually know that. Yes. My clients know that because I, I strictly enforce that. Educated muscle. So your clients know. So you got to turn that muscle off first before you can turn the opposite muscles that get the joint back into a good position on. Well, right? they can't see it there. But. So you turn it like that. Yep. <laughs> you turn it off and then you lengthen it. So it's downregulated. It's no longer on fire. Now you lengthen it. So if it's short, you stretch it. Mm-hmm. Right? And there are a bunch of different stretching techniques that you can do. Static stretching, uh, PNF stretching, and you can even load it. You can load the joint eccentrically, and that can help get it into a better position. So inhibit, lengthen. So once we've turned this tissue down that's tight, then we stretch it somehow. We do something like that. Like that. Give it some length. (laughs) Now it's sitting here, right? Uh And now the muscles on the backside of the joint that hold it in a good position are ready to fire. That's a nice car. And how do we do that, Jeff? How do we keep that shoulder there? (laughs) <laughs> well, you activate, which is our next step. So inhibit one, lengthen two, activate three. So we're there. And mm-hmm. then integrate. So to activate it, you can do certain things like corrective exercises, positional isometrics, isolated strengthening, things of that nature to get it to fire. Mm-hmm. So uh, you see a lot of PTs prescribing like banded external rotation. So you can't see it, but like, yeah, see, like that. I had to do it. <laughs> but this is improper. You can't do it. Well, you but can't anyways, do it there, but it's on the yeah. table. Okay, it's People right here. Like, why is he it's moving here, his hand into this? But it's supposed to be. I mean, <laughs> it's here. I'm showing you here, but it's supposed to be down here. Down here, yeah. So down lower, like 90 degree angles at the it's elbows. That <laughs> <laughs> looks terrible. <laughs> uh, so you activate through isolated strengthening and stuff, and then once that muscle's now firing, then you incorporate the activation into functional movement or dynamic movement so now that the joints in a good position and the rotator cuff muscles have been awakened from hibernation Mm -hmm. then you do something like a shoulder press right where the rotator cuff can work in synchrony to provide good pain-free movement that's basically the nasm uh, corrective exercise continuum and that is one thing that Tina and I both practice and preach in yes. our personal training practices a lot um, there are a couple other things within our philosophy if we can talk that about. I'd like to talk about it's we're 23 minutes in how long should we go um, not too long I don't like want to bore people 27 
I think this could also be a part two. Probably. There could be a part two. So or we maybe, can talk about it a little bit. It's up to okay. you. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about next time. <laughs> I actually um, just piggybacking off of this and piggybacking off of what you said about earlier about posture and, you know, the classes that you'll be taking, right? You'll be taking a class yeah, yeah, right. Um, so this, the, the you know, the conversation we just had about, especially about that shoulder joint, um, it correlates directly to, for example, your posture. And um, included with this, we also want to go ahead and talk about core stability. So I think that's something that we can actually focus on Absolutely. next time. Because without that core stability, then we're just continuously just making that problem either revert back to what it's at or making it worse. Absolutely. And so we know that the lumbar spine is supposed to be a stable joint. Yes. Through Gray Cook's joint-by-joint joint approach, hey, which <laughs> we're going to talk about in the <laughs> next episode. So we'll talk about that, and then that'll segue us into core stability. But... Um, I think we need to also cover next week, and this is a plug for you, uh-huh. your powerlifting meet. Oh. So tell them a little bit about your powerlifting meet before we go off the air. So Tina's struggling today. She just <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not struggling too much today. I was struggling a lot more yesterday. She struggled all week because she had quite a few pounds to lose to make weight for her God, powerlifting. She's living the thick life. I'm not going to lie to the people. Well, yeah, because when I got my massage, I was at what, 161, I think. 161 and i had to drop weight not supposed to tell them your weight i don't care is it bad no it isn't hey to the world you know now Uh, (laughs) i dropped weight i made weight and tomorrow i have a powerlifting meet and so she's going to probably win her class because she is very strong what are you going for i'm not going to tell you those numbers (laughs) you will have to see next time (laughs) so next week she's very strong i'm projecting that she's going to win her weight class she might even win the overall um so stay tuned so that you can find out how well or not she does next week. <laughs> Just make sure that you wish her luck. And, Thank you, guys. And pray that she can actually squat to parallel because... Oh, my God. <laughs> because you had she to got end off with that. You had right. to end off with that. All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode two of Educated Muscle. And stay tuned for episode three. That will air next Friday. Next Friday. Next yep. Friday. All right. Take care, Bye, guys. guys. Bye. That was good.